After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, lightweights? Welcome back. Today's guest is from the WWE Universe, The Bump, Talking Smack, Sports Broadcasting Powerhouse, Kayla Braxton. Hello. Thank you so wow, much for coming by. Wow, you made me sound pretty busy. You are busy. <laughs> You're such a hustler. You have so many things going on. That's what I thought was so cool. Oh, we have to be hustlers, right? Especially out in this town. So you've been in LA now for a year. Literally, like just at a year, which is wild that all that that's passed already. But yeah, it's been a good year. Can you see yourself staying here? I live day by day. I'm very nomadic. Uh, if you've known me over the years, I get up and leave every two years. I just get bored one day. I'm like, I'm going to move. Normally, it's been on the East Coast. And this was a very last minute decision where I thought, you know what? Let's go to the other coast for a while. So we'll see. I'm going to sign at least one more lease. I can give LA at least one more year and then we'll see. Do you miss anything about the East Coast at all? I mean, yeah, I miss all my friends are there. Um, and I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, which I think is the best place to live in the entire country. If you have never been, go to St. Petersburg, Florida. So I definitely miss aspects of it. But I mean, LA is the second best thing, I guess. It's a lot cheaper to live in Florida. (laughs) There's no state taxes. Is it harder for work over here? I mean, yeah, of course it's more like out there, you can be a, uh, a big fish in a little sea, is that how they say it? And out here, you're a small fish in the big sea. So it's a lot harder, especially when it comes to trying to find opportunity. Obviously, we're just getting out of a strike, so that's been tough for the last however many months. Um, but it's also exciting that there's just so many more opportunities, because that is a difference between here and Florida. There's not a lot of TV opportunities out there. So yeah, I think it's, it's definitely not the positive. Yeah. You've done so much hosting over the past seven years. You've been... That you went for school for it, correct? Yes, I studied broadcast journalism. And then, how'd you end up where you are now? Um, well, I studied broadcast journalism, had a minor in sports broadcasting. So I always wanted to do something in sports. But my first job out of college, um, I got an opportunity at a local TV station in Orlando, Florida, where they wanted me to start this new entertainment travel show. So it was a new concept for them. And they got me, I think I got the job because they got me for cheap. I was right out of college. And uh, I could, I, I used to shoot my own video, edit it, host it. I was like a one-man band. So there's not a lot of those these days, you know? So I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then thought it was maybe time to move on to something else. And at around the same time, WWE, someone from WWE actually reached out to me. At the time, I had never watched wrestling in my life. I didn't know anything about it. Um, but I think it's always something I like to live by is, you know, look out for those unexpected opportunities in life. And take them because you never know where it's going to lead. I thought, hey, I'll do this for a year. Now we're on year seven and I could not imagine. My, I mean, it's the coolest freaking job. I was talking about earlier complaining about how it's been cold in Chicago. I go to New York tomorrow. But who can say they can travel the world and hit all these places for free? Like it's the coolest freaking job, even if it's cold. How do you think they found you? 
Well, I was like, everyone knew me in Orlando, and because um, I was, I was the entertainment girl, so I was in everything you could possibly imagine. And NXT, where I began, is based out of Orlando, Florida, so they knew who I was. And then um, someone who used to work at WWE, I knew casually um, around town, so he he put a word in for me as well. And yeah, the rest is history. They're like, hey, this girl's kind of crazy on TV. Let's put her on. That worked. You crush it. You crush it. It's so cool. But you started editing and shooting your own stuff. Mm -hmm. You always just had that passion in you? Yeah, and I think it's something different. It's something important for especially kids going through school right now. Um, I think, unfortunately, I don't mean this in any disrespect, but there's going to be a sense of entitlement when it comes to people coming out of school and thinking immediately they're going to get a job waiting for them. At least where I grew up, you better go create your own opportunity because the degree is not going to get you there. It's going to be your hustle and your drive. Uh, and so... I just knew back in college even I was start creating my own content. I had my own staff. Like I was like it was called What's Going Down in Bruin Town because we were the Belmont Bruins and all I went and interviewed athletes and musicians. You were reaching out all on your own to get reaching those Reaching out on my own. I'd, I'd sit to my friends to go interview people for me because I had so many stories and then it grew bigger and became Nashville View. So I was going to red carpets and interviewing local business owners and so I had that whole thing as a reel. And then, obviously, the TV station that I began at loved seeing that. Like, taking the initiative is so important, especially to news directors and producers and directors. Like, oh, you can do your own shit. We don't have to, like, hold your hand. Get you a long way. That's my word of advice. Take initiative, kids. <laughs> Where'd you post it all? On YouTube? YouTube, yeah. So, um, it's not there anymore, so don't go look at it. Can't have that following me around forever. But, um, yeah, I did YouTube. And then I even got into the YouTube space. There was those conventions, like... Uh, download and um what was the other one these vidcon YouTube, vidcon so I'm, you were at vidcon i would go to those all the time and uh collaborate with other creators i started a series that went pretty viral with a youtuber named swoozy um i don't know if you've heard of him he's like a gamer animator we created something called the 30-day dating challenge we don't have to go into that um, <laughs> but it all like really helped me and like learn about the the online space which can be so intricate as you know um, and kind of how to navigate it and succeed in it. So yeah, all of that helped me get to where, where I am. I'm still trying to learn and figure out TikTok, but uh, you know, again, day by day. <laughs> Did you do any digging on me to come here? I uh, know I didn't. I went in blind. So what? G give me something. Oh no, I'm just curious because this is. I feel like now you're on the other side of it. I know. Oh, it, on the uh, yeah. Because even for me, like. Very rarely do people ask me to do a podcast, uh -huh. and when I do, I'm like so hesitant about it because I'm not in control of it. Yes. So for you to be here, I, was, I, I trusted our mutual friend. I knew Ryan was going to put me in a situation. If he would, I was going to kick his ass. But no, I trusted him, <laughs> and I love meeting other creators, especially in Los Angeles. You know, I think again, collaboration is key to succeed, and so here we are. Totally. <laughs> so when you're doing your interviews, you're dealing with the biggest personalities and egos. Mm -hmm. Do you do you have a little more stress with the situation at hand depending on what it is oh of course um oh yeah and here's the thing with that too with stress you mean like nerves all kind of goes hand in hand even this past week i host the kickoff shows for our big show so we had survivor series and i was just feel it was such a big show there was so much we thought was going to happen and i was just i felt more nervous and stressed out than i and i've done hundreds of these but I just felt that like stress and anxiety. And then it's always that reminder. When you stop feeling those feelings, you need to get out of doing what you're doing. Because like you need to be able to have that. When, when you're like, oh, this is just another day, do something else. Um, so yes, the big, like a Survivor Series, a WrestleMania. You know, if I'm doing a red carpet here in LA for a movie premiere, I am a nervous wreck. So yeah, absolutely. I did a sit down with John Cena uh, a while back. And um, 
I've met, you know, I've seen him a few times around around the bend. But man, that interview, I was I was sweating bullets because it was so it was just such an insane opportunity to have to have him sit down for 30 minutes and talk to me. Someone he's like seen backstage a few times. So when you're doing that and you're preparing for it, are you rehearsing the hour before like, hey, John, hey, John, hey, John. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not a huge rehearser because I think with what I do and my interview style is so off the cuff. I never want to be over rehearsed. And also like. Being on the other side of things, you know when something is over-rehearsed. Like, I think being candid and fun and, like, I even made some stupid joke to him right at the top. One of his don't-see-me things that he's heard a million times. I didn't know how he was going to react to it. He played into it, luckily. But, no, I try not to rehearse. I know the gist of what I want to talk about. And then we just go. Yeah. So. Have you ever had any, like, interviews where you kind of just blanked out, blacked out? I mean, yeah. That, I mean, that definitely happens, um, you know more often than but it's about being able to roll with it when I was newer in the business I was interviewing superstars who I didn't really know on a personal level at that time um I think we talked you know the one the famous one that I put online typically is about AJ Styles who was one of the most professional people I've ever met one of the kindest southern boys Georgia boy and um the light went red and it was three two one go Kayla and I was like I didn't know what I was supposed to be talking about completely forgot everything that was going on luckily AJ is such a pro he could sense what was going on and he took the interview and I didn't have to say anything and no one questioned it after no one got mad it was just when the interview's over the camera the camera crew's running to the next thing so I was like shoo thank you so much AJ <laughs> no one knew that I was like you know not good at my job but um now now I think I'm, I'm so intertwined and I feel like a lot more knowledgeable if I do forget where I'm going I can typically pivot and get us, to, you know, eventually we'll get there. But yeah, that was, ooh, I thought that was going to be my last day working for the for the company. <laughs> <laughs> Even when like crazy shenanigans are happening, like you got slimed once. I did. Once something crazy like that happens, it's almost shifts your entire like, what do I do now? Yeah. Is that does. hard to navigate? I mean, yeah, but also, w, you know, with WWE, you have to always be on guard and on standby to know something crazy could happen at any time. You just have to be ready for it. That's so funny. And that was with The Miz and John Morrison and Braun Strowman. And with those three in particular, you know some crazy shit's going down. So I will say that took a long time to get out of my hair. I still should bill them for my hair appointment, but whatever. Well, we'll, we'll maybe in a few years. <laughs> have you ever done like Kids' Choice or anything? I did Kids' Choice Award. I did the Red Carpet for that maybe six years ago. No slime there. Not for me. I think maybe Cena got slime that year, but I was just on the red carpet staying all cute with my hair and makeup, so I didn't have to get slime then. Yeah. Of course, my own job is when they- In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, and with Arena Club slab packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent. With a full 
full-grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app, and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe Guarantee. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours... The energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Slimy. So, <laughs> so with you being here, do you think you're going to be doing a lot more movie premieres and award shows like that? I hope so. I mean, part of the reason of me moving to Los Angeles was so WWE could have a person on the ground out here to, you know, do some crossover work. So I've done a few movie premieres. Um, again, of course, a strike has kind of kept all those away for the last several months. But uh, moving forward, yeah, absolutely, that's that's the plan. Are your friends back home surprised or shocked at what you're doing? Or is it like, oh, yeah, of course, like she's always been doing this? You mean as far as? Like the hosting, journalism type stuff, broadcasting? Oh, no. I mean, since I was nine years old, I've been doing little shows. Like, no, this if I wasn't doing this, people would think I was going through some kind of crisis. And... I'm not good at anything else. Like, I had laryngitis a few weeks ago. If you don't know it, I don't. You don't. You can't talk for five. I had to miss SmackDown for five days. No sound would come out of my. And the the stress that I had because I'm a. I go from one extreme to the other. If I'm sick, I'm on WebMD and I think I'm dying. So my voice is gone for five days. I was talking to my mom. I'm like, I'm never gonna be able to work again. Like I thought there was nothing else because there's nothing else I'm good at. So thank God it came back. <laughs> <laughs> What what do you think is your favorite part of your whole job? Everything that you get to do. Um. Well, let's see. For WWE in particular, or for just being a broadcaster. I think broadcasting in general. I mean, I'm a journalist by trade, so I love hearing stories and telling stories and being able to allow other people to tell their story the way they want it to be heard. Because um, I know for me, from like a very young age, my my personal story was very much already put out into the, the world before I could really tell my story. And uh, over the years, I've really gotten to tailor it 
when I've when I've shared it to how like how things happen to me. And so I really want other people to be able to tell their story. They want to. It's so important to be able to create your own narrative when it comes to your life and not let somebody else run with that. So that's that's I think that's the coolest part. And then seeing people just so happy. It's, it's almost like a weight lift when you can when you can share who you are and people accept it. And there's no like people adding in their own like Wikipedia which says I'm 411 I'm 411 and a half and I'm gonna need someone to go in there and fix that update that update that <laughs> everybody loved your back and forth with Paul Heyman oh the best was that almost like dancing verbal dancing for you yeah and I mean in the best way I learned so much through Paul Heyman like obviously we would nitpick each other that's what you see on TV and on Talking Smack. And I've dressed it up as him for Halloween. Um, and I say this in any interview I do that Paul Heyman has brought up. There is no one better to learn from in this business, especially as a communicator and an on-air talker. He is a wordsmith. And when we first started doing Talking Smack together, we didn't know each other very well. I just knew he was like this loud overpowering man and like because I if y'all watch Talking Smack I had like six different co-hosts over time this kept swapping in at men so I had to keep adjusting um when I heard Paul was gonna be my co-host I was like oh I'm not gonna get a word in ever because all he does is talk and then by the end of it I think I my skills as a host like just quadrupled because of him so yeah I had, trying to keep up with him is tough but it definitely made me better him saying how much he appreciated you and loved you and then the camera cut, but the camera kept rolling. Oh, for my, was that my birthday? Yeah. Oh, no, when I, my last day on the bump, maybe. Oh, Paul. Yeah, that's that's him. <laughs> he loves me, though. Do you think schooling really helped you with what you're doing now? I, I do. I do think things have – I graduated college now, like, 10 years ago. I do think things have changed a lot as far as education and skill. Um, I'm very grateful that I got an education before I got into my career. I know nowadays you don't necessarily need, like, call, that whole concept is kind of going away a little bit more. But I think the basics and just learning how to, you know, being in a school environment, learning how to be patient, sit down, educate yourselves, take the time. It's a slower process, but I just think I have a foundation a lot firmer than maybe some others. Um, not to say if you don't have, not, not saying if you don't go to college, you can't excel because you definitely can. Um, but I think it definitely helped me 100%. Did teachers really help guide you to like? Yeah. Really? I had fantastic professors who I still keep in contact to this day. I've gone back to my college and spoken to like the next generation of broadcasters. Belmont University was such a small school back then. So everyone was very like tight knit. And the broadcast department back then is was 10 times smaller than it is now. If you're in the broadcast department now at Belmont, you're welcome. Our tuition paid for all the cool equipment you're using. I was going to ask, <laughs> what kind of equipment did you have we back then? We were using, then? oh, we had, oh my gosh, we were still on like tape. I mean, nothing. Because I had, I went to film school also. Okay. And there was like, I think it was called The Cage, where you had to go rent stuff out. And this is yeah. like ancient stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. And we were still like doing print and like newspaper and stuff like that. But I'm, again, I'm so grateful I had all of that under, you know, on my, to appreciate what we have now where you can just, you know, do Final Cut in your phone and put out a 4K movie. But, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of movies, big slasher fan? I don't know. I'm not really a big horror fan. You're such a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Literally yesterday, my favorite horror movie of this whole year was a movie called from by A24, Talk to Me. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Australian film, very like independent film. Like I think these kids were YouTubers. And yeah, they Raka, made it, like, all Yeah, okay. I think it was one of the most brilliant horror films I have seen in a very long time. Just yesterday, 
I got it in the mail. I pre-ordered it months ago. If you've seen the movie, they have like the embalmed hand. That's what possesses everybody. I have the replica now in my house. <laughs> my friends are like, what is wrong with you? Oh, you're that much of a fanatic. My entire bedroom is just horror movie. Po- like I have a very like cool wall of like horror. Terrifying. It's it's my thing. Have you ever seen any of the houses around here? What some of the? Oh yeah. What did I? I have. I can't remember which ones I went and saw. Freddy Krueger's house is here. I think which one I saw. I haven't done like the, I should. I mean, you think I would have? Oh yeah, do a horror. To tour. me, that doesn't like super. Yeah, I mean, I need to do that. And now I sound like a lame horror fan that I haven't done. I think when I've gone on walks, people, oh, that's where that house is, and but I'm like, okay. Did you watch Malcolm in the Middle? Uh, I did. That house was around here, and I went, but they knocked it down and renovated it, oh, so it looks nothing like it. Man, so I feel like a lot of them are like. You know, there's people are living them or they're different. So I saw I the Amityville to... Horror House once. Oh, that would be cool. That was that was scary. Yeah. Oh, I gotta I gotta go see that. What other horror ones do you like? Horror movies. Yeah. Oh man, gosh. I mean, I love all the Saw movies. Saw Saw Ten. It was phenomenal. I had to walk out. That was too gory. Wait, if Saw Ten? Yeah. It was too gory. That was the least gory out of all of them. Are you insane? Are you insane? They're all literally close ups. They're just like. <laughs> yeah, but this was like this. This one was like a heartfelt one. <laughs> no. This is like a rom-com. It honestly made me feel like, oh, like he's such a baby face, you know? Uh, like I felt like passion for him and compassion for him. I loved him. No, 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 no. Yeah. I wanted to be his friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> How do you think you fell into the position that you're in now? Was it just from hard work? I mean, yeah. Grinding nonstop? I feel, I've been there for, yeah, seven years. I've won the longest tenure, like, especially for backstage interviewers, like ever. Um, and I started from the bottom and I, again, that's something I think it's some, so important back to the education. It may take longer to get to your goal, but when you start to the bottom and you get that foundation and you, you know, you learn from the best before you try to be the best, you're going to stay, you're going to be the best longer, you know? And so I got in, I was a ring announcer, which I'd never done before. I was doing local armories in Florida where three days a week I'd have to, or I have to spend five days a week in the performance center, just learning and like doing classes then three days the whole weekend i'm driving two to three hours to these tiny little towns in florida where we set up shows in local armories what is an town, armory like a like a like an armory like a like a like a military base almost oh, like, okay and we'd have like maybe 30 to 50 fans come out and i'd have to ring announce and we have to help set up like i did that for years just starting at the very bottom and then Ended up at NXT doing some NXT TV stuff. Like, I just slowly got to where I wanted to be. It was very intentional that I didn't want to be a ring announcer. I told my boss that. Very, I'm like, I'll do. I'll be the best ring announcer you want, but please don't leave me in this position because I don't like it. It just terrifies me. Um, and then I got offered the opportunity to do my morning show, The Bump. It was a brand new show. And to me, that's kind of when I was revitalized because I finally got to be that journalist again. And then I hosted that show for the last four years, and it grew up to be this huge thing. Like, WWE's never had a show like this for it to last this long. I just stepped down from the show um, and handed it over to another girl who's kind of coming up through the ranks. But, um, yeah, I think – and now I feel like I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do because of how loyal I've been and how much I've done. And, you know, so, yeah, I I definitely think that was a very important part. When you were doing the bump, what kind of extra, I don't want to say extra work, but what kind of digging did you really have to do for the prep work of it? Well, I'm always very open about this to the WWE fans that I didn't come from wrestling. So there's a lot of things I do not know. And the thing about wrestling fans, they are die hard fans. If you miss one tiny ver- syllable up, they will ride you online and they will, but I appreciate that because I really want to learn. So 
when I did have some of the old school wrestlers come on that I didn't know, I, I would sit and I'd, I'd research the, you know, research things about them, find fun facts about them. Um, we'd have celebrities on too, so I'd have to find out things about you know. Different, I had I did a thing with Matthew McConaughey recently, so cool. Um, what was that? Uh, he came out with a new uh, children's book, so we were just talking, and he you know he's a he has two books out now, so we're basically just talking about that his family, and it was during the strikes, so we couldn't really talk about any like movie and TV product projects, but um, he's he's always got his hands, and he's such a good guy, but uh, but yeah, I think it's just fun to, to learn. To learn things about people that you may have come into contact with, but not exactly studied up on. What other interviews have you done with celebrities outside of WWE? I did a one. I did Landon Barker recently, which we talked about. He had his new his single coming out, so we went over to his dad's studio, and um, was Travis there? He was there, but he was working, so I didn't get to meet him. Were you a Blink fan? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. But um, he he was so great. We played some Papa Shot. He gave me a tour of his uh, recording studio. And stuff like that is so cool, too, because Landon's a fan of wrestling. Logan Paul, Bad Bunny, we have all these guys who are massive fans of WWE, but people don't really know that until they talk about it. So when we have Landon's fans being like, oh, he likes wrestling? Oh, let's watch wrestling. And those cro- that crossover is so important. And when you watch um, last night on, or this is, I know this is air, but on um, on Monday Night Raw, Jelly Roll, who is a country artist out in in uh, Nashville, he, he was on uh, he was on, the, on Raw. And so now his fans are going to start watching. So so yeah, I just think that's it's so cool to see the reach that that the WWE has. Do you think <laughs> the WWE audience is? You spoke earlier that they're very, they want everything to be right. Mm-hmm. So do you think it was hard for you to kind of win them over stepping in front of the camera? I mean, yeah, of course. Like, they're very protective over WWE, which that's amazing, and they should be. And I wanted to do the work to prove to them that I was willing to learn, and I wanted to be a part of their community. And I think, for the most part, they've accepted me in. Um, because I do think I'm, again, I'm always very trans. I say it all the time, how transparent I want to be about this is I didn't grow up in this. Like most people who work for us grew up in this or at least grew up watching it. So, but I know when I first started, I was so nervous. I was given like a list of all the superstars names and like as a ring announcer, you got to know the name, weight, hometown, and you got to speed these out, like making their way from Chicago, weighing in at two, whatever. Do you have that on the sheet in front of you? Or you have to memorize it? You have to memorize it. Wait, what? Yeah. You, you have to remember everyone's weight and height? You don't go up there with a card. No. Kayla. Yeah. Oh, listen. I know. And like their moniker. So it was like the fun, like from Gainesville, Georgia, I think he is. From Gainesville, Georgia, weighing in at 212 pounds. He is the phenomenal one. AJ Styles. Like I probably butchered that whole thing. I don't bring it out anymore. Did you finagle anyone's thing while doing it? I mean, a couple times that I forgot, I, I did, but then I'd always go find them and apologize because it's, again, it's their thing. Like, I do not want to mess up what they want you to say yeah, that's and the their way moment. they want you to say it. So, um, if I did forget it, I would go find them and apologize. And they were never like mad about it as long as you like acknowledged it and corrected it. Um, but yeah, that was, that was nerve wracking. What was the question that you just asked? Why did I talk about that? Uh, if the fans want you to like know everything. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that was my point. So, when I first, uh, I was at Full Sail University for my like tryout kind of, and I was so overwhelmed. I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna learn this," and there's no way. And um, a coworker of mine, he's a the ring announcer for SmackDown, Mike Rome. He had already been there for like a year. He goes, "Kayla, you won't even try to learn everything. You just will. Like it's so oversatur like or 
I don't know what the word I'm trying to say, but it's just in your face. You're gonna, he was not incorrect. Like within two months, I knew more about wrestling than I ever thought I, and I didn't even try. It just, that's just how it is. So it didn't take long to learn. And then I think I ended up winning over most of the wrestling fans. <laughs> when you finished each interview show, would you go back and watch it to see how you did, to see how you can improve? To this day, I don't like doing that. I hate watching myself back in camera or listening to myself talk. I think a lot of on-air people say the same thing. I, the only time I would do it is if someone gave me like negative criticism and I was like, okay, what, did, what was it? So I'll like force myself to go watch it with a big glass of wine. Um, <laughs> so if it's in order to get better, I will, but I probably haven't watched 90% of the stuff that I put out there. Oh, wow. I know. I just hate it. I cringe. <laughs> so you just do it and let it go. Yes. And that's even something we're taught because like internet can be really, as we all know, tough and like can it? the internet wrestling community the IWC, as they call it, can be some of the most brutal people on the internet. And if you know me, you know that I go back and forth with them all the time. Oh, on your Twitter. And I get in trouble for it. <laughs> but um, uh, so, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, 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 it can be tough. But also, you know, kind of keeps me um, wanting to make sure I'm, I'm getting it right and not disappointing, disappointing the fans. I'll do what they ask. <laughs> as soon as the camera crew's done, they're like, got it. We're going on to the next segment. Are you ever disappointed that you didn't hit it on the right note? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I, I will. Um, if if we're not necessarily live and I have the opportunity to redo something, I will ask to. And most more times than not, they'll allow it because they, they also want us to look our best on camera and makes the product look better. Uh, but of course, there's like even... Um, our, our, all of my kickoff shows are live live. So we, that we go, we're just going. There's times I might like mess say a name wrong or do something incorrect you can't go back you can't go back and correct it you just have to keep moving on so and odds are no one noticed it but you and that's also something to try to remember you're the only you're we're all our biggest critics just let it go people who are on the internet talking shit are probably not doing much with their lives so like you're doing better than you know just don't let it get to you because it's so easy to want to get on twitter right after you do something and see the mentions and see who is talking about you and um the people who have been in the company a lot longer than me are like, delete the app off your phone on show day so you're not tempted to go look. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I'm working on it. You're like QB of the kickoff show. You're throwing those conversations around and directing the whole conversation. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of fun with those. It's I'm really impressive. And that's just second nature to you. Um, I think being a conversationalist is. I think that's why I thrive in those situations because we can just talk. Um. My very first kickoff show ever, though, because I was under Renee Young, she, uh, Renee Paquette now was who I kind of replaced when she stepped, she stepped away um, to have, a, like, she started her family. Um, and my boss, the, my boss goes, hey, Kayla, you're, you're hosting the next kickoff show. And I was like, what? Just like that? Yes. And I was like, what are you talking about? I've never done anything like this. And it was um, the first mania after the pandemic, two hour show at Raymond James Stadium it was gonna be my first one. And I was like, what? No, I can't do it. He goes, oh, you'll be fine, and walked away. And his confidence in me being so, like, nonchalant made me feel a lot better because he wasn't like, listen, like, I don't know if you can do it, but, like, we'll talk. He was like, you can do this in your sleep. And that really helps me be like, you know what? Yes, I can. And that's a two-hour – That's normal kickoff shows are only an hour. This was two hours with, like – and not to mention, it was – there were rain delays that day, so I was having to fill an ad lib, an extra – it was so much going on. But that kickoff show gave me the confidence to like, now I've done one every month since. So yeah, those those are fun. And I have such a great panel too. 
<laughs> What's that like traveling to a different city every week? Going to the big arena there. Yeah. Finding your dressing room. It's and- so mindless. Like, you just know. Like, it's such a, like, we're all just all, we, I don't know, you don't even think about it. Like, you get to your hotel the night before, you check in, go to bed, wake up. Um, we know what time, call time is, get to the venue. There's signs that just tell you where to go with the same, like, signboard that just points to the female locker room. Is there catering? Yep, there's catering. So, you want to hit that immediately. <laughs> then I go sit in hair and makeup, and then... Then it's like hurry up and wait. Someone people will find you if they need you, and then do your job. Go on air. Goes up, two hours go by super fast. Are you watching the entire broadcast live so that you you mm-hmm. are informed? Yeah. So we're all kind of watching. Um, and if I miss something because I'm interviewing somebody, I'll find someone who will like update me on what's going on. But yeah, typically I'm like watching closely because I know immediately I'm gonna have to go get, ask them a question. It's so nuts. I feel like. As a kid, I watched it so much, but I never had dreams of being a superstar because I never thought I'd be a six-foot giant or a seven-foot giant. (laughs) But I think it's so cool that you're doing it. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. I think it's the coolest job out there. Speaking of other reality hostings, Mm -hmm. Bachelor Nation. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. You're watching Bachelor in Paradise now? Watching Bachelor in Paradise right now. Was there, I think, was there an episode this week? I don't think there was. I yes. think they took off for Thanksgiving. Oh, that that would make sense. Here yeah. I am on Thanksgiving. Like, where's my Bachelor in Paradise? People <laughs> are enjoying their families. What other reality shows do you watch? Um, man, I feel there's so many that I, I can't even like. I like Love Island. Now there's there's the Love Island games happening right now on Peacock, which is really interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and like none of the oh, I like like F Boy Island, Temptation Island. Is this like fun, or are you studying notes on the other oh, hosts? No, your brain's off. Oh yeah, this is just fun. Like I've always thought it'd be fun to like guest hosts for. I think uh, Dolph Ziggler, um, Nick Nimeth, he was like a guest host on Love Island like a couple years ago, and he's never watched it, but he knows how much I love it, and he 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 asked me a bunch of questions to help him. You know, um, but yeah, I was, oh, I, I just love it. I have so much fun with with reality TV. What's like another what's some other big ones? I feel like I'm missing one. Too Hot to Handle. Love Too Hot to Handle. I don't think there's one I haven't watched. Selling Sunset. Love, Real Housewives? love Selling Sunset. Love Real Housewives. Oh, my Beverly God. You Hills. all of it. <laughs> <laughs> they call me uh, Kayla Trash TV. That's so, so funny. And a lot of a lot of the superstars are big reality TV fans too. We always will like sit in catering and just like, did you see what Kyle Richards did last week? Uh, even some of the wrestlers, it's so funny. And I've talked to some of them about, I think it was Bianca Belair. We were watching, we were watching some reality show that just came out and she was like texting on the plane, like that person is trash. I'm like, I love how like passionate we get. Um, that's another concept I was having, like reality TV meets wrestling. Because there is a lot of getting crossed over there and just have reality stars talking about wrestling and wrestling talking about reality. I, th- I think it's great. If you were on any reality show, what would you crush it on? Oh, I don't know. I've just never even considered being on one because I never would actually be on a reality show. I don't know. I have to get back to you. Maybe one of those. No, I'll say Gordon Ramsay, but I can't really cook. A cookie <laughs> <laughs> You have spoken about your childhood and mm-hmm. you've overcome so much with it. Are you OK talking about it now? I mean, yeah, it's all out there. Um yeah. You you were on an ancestry and a cousin reached out to you? Uh yeah. That's actually been happening more lately, um, which is wild. Yeah. Have you did you respond to that? No, I haven't. You know, I think it's it's something else that I've had to learn over the years because I obviously don't know who my father is. Um, nor does he know that I exist. And I was very lucky to be placed in a foster family where I had 
two incredible foster parents, including a foster dad who has been like my dad since I was 10. So I had to ask myself, like, what was the benefit of potentially trying to find this man who wasn't a good person and who's never been in my life and who knows who he is now and who knows how, how he might want to like take advantage of me knowing that I'm a, you know, where I've gotten in life. So, um, I, I just haven't found the reasons to open that Pandora's box yet. Um, I think maybe if I ever have children of my own someday for like health reasons and, you know, maybe I'll go down there. But I think for right now, I'm just super content with how my life has gone. I'm super content with my family and I don't want to do anything to like really disrupt that because I, I know people who have connected with long lost family members and it's gone a very negative way and I want to protect my mental health and I don't want to go through something like that. So I'm just, I'll, I'll get to it if I ever feel the need to, but right now I'm, I'm so lucky to have the family that I have. So no need. Is that your base camp in Alabama? Yes, that's my foster family. They're amazing. And you just went there this holiday. I did. How was that? So great. We, um, I, they brought. I have like thirty foster siblings, and they just took in another little boy. So I met him for the first time when I was there. Did you say thirty? Uh, over the so my was crazy. I talked to my foster parent. I moved in with them when I was nine, and um, I asked my foster mom. I was like, "How old were you when you, when I moved in with you?" She was my age and she already had eight foster kids. I forget to put the toilet paper roll on. Like <laughs> how in the world has my, I was like, I cannot believe this. And so they've been, and they had already been doing it for years prior. So it's like, this is like their 30th year fostering kids. And they think they've had about probably 30 at least foster kids throughout the years. How connected with you are with them now? Most of them. Like most of us, we're back at, we all come back to Wadley, Alabama um, now a lot of them have their own kids and husbands, so they all come too. So the family keeps growing. But yeah, it's like it's we call it, it's the forever family, you know. Like it's not a foster family in the sense of, you know, someone can come take us. Um, it was yeah, we knew when we were moving in that this was going to be our permanent placement. So yeah, it was great. Does Alabama feel like home to you? It does. Well, yes. They know I would never move back because I it's too small for me. Like the town is maybe six hundred people. I graduated high school with twelve people. Wait, what? It's a very tiny town. In your class, there were 12 people? 12. How many were in the school? Oh, gosh, like 120. But the craziest part about my class of 12, four of us were named Kayla. (laughs) That's so funny. I think my class was 3,000. Oh, yeah. No, our whole town, yeah, 500. No stoplights. One teacher? Uh, No, we had a lot of teachers, like a teacher. But like the K, K through 12 was one school. You just kind of moved like hallways, so... So you okay. being a senior were paired, not paired with, but there were first graders and that you'd see in, every day? Mm-hmm. Did you have school buses? Uh, we did. I did school buses for a few years. And then I think eventually, I don't know what happened. Maybe my siblings were old enough to start driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a big school bus fan. How big is a school? What do you mean? Like, like physically? Is it like... Oh, it's not big at all. Like five rooms? I mean, no. I mean, like you had... No, because you had classrooms, I think, per grade. But there was like... One set, like there's like one building with like some roof, some classrooms, and it would like go off this way. I mean, I don't know. If, to me, it was normal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. To me, I can't. I can't. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. Is it crazy to you from where you started there to now where you are traveling all over the world? Oh yeah, and I think even when I go back, I my people I grew up with who are a lot of people are still stay. They were raised there. You know, I'm not. My family is not from Alabama, so we all 
got out. We, we leave. A lot of people are from there, like, for generations. So when I do go, go back, I know my friends growing up are so excited that I'm back. And they love, like, telling people that, like, they grew up with me. And it's, it makes me feel so good. You know, I'm like, oh, like, they're proud of, they, they're proud of where, like, I went, my dad, my foster dad's actually a Southern Baptist preacher. So that's right. I'm a preacher's daughter. Um, but we went to church when we were home for Thanksgiving. And it was so cute seeing like the little old ladies and little old men who I knew 25 years ago who were still just so proud and like wanted pictures with us. And it's, it's, it's sweet. It's so humbling and like grounding because this L.A. TV, we all get caught up in like it's such it's a remembering where you came from and who you were and remembering what truly matters like. This is all great, but like in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter, you know? So I, I go back home like once a year and it's such a good like, okay, now we can go back to Los Angeles and have our mind clear and do things for the right reason. How much time is the right amount of time to go back to your hometown? I think years, plenty. Once a year. <laughs> Once a year for how many days are you talking? I, I went back for like six days this time, which is more than I usually do because there's nothing to do in my town. I like, think I tap out at four. Yeah. Well, luckily I was like, I, I left like two of the I went to like an Auburn basketball game one of the days so I was able to kind of get out and then my brother's in the military he's based um, like an hour and a half outside of my town so we like went and like bar hopped one day with him so technically I was there for maybe four but I was it was time to go yeah oh that's great <laughs> can we ever look forward to seeing you in the ring no no unless I'm holding a microphone interviewing somebody everyone always asks me this and I never have wavered on my answer. Not a chance. People don't realize how. So when I was newer, we used announcers used to have to take a bump class, and that was just in case we were in the ring interviewing somebody, and we knew how to get out of the ring or fall correctly, so you're not getting injured. So I'll never forget this. They don't do it anymore because one of our one of our announcers got injured doing it. Um, they put like the tough enough helmet on, but basically like a helmet to kind of protect my my brains, and they even put me in like the softer ring, and like okay, you have to learn how to fall back. And I was so scared. Like, I even on trampolines and stuff growing up, I can never do, like, the back things. I'm always scared I'm going to break my neck. Are you, You're driving to this class, like... <sighs> yeah, just like, I can't believe I have to do... Yeah. So I do it. I see my other coworkers doing it pretty well. <laughs> so I... <laughs> <laughs> I go and I look like a little, like... I kind of, like... Yeah, anyway. I fall back. And you're supposed to tuck your neck. Well, I, I was trying to remember all the things they told me to do, but the tucking the neck is a thing I forgot. I snapped my neck back so hard. I had to like crawl away. I, was, my, I think my boss has it on camera because he's dying laughing just watching me like crawl to a corner like whimpering. I couldn't move my neck for days. But that's what these guys and girls are doing every single week are taking like, you watch wrestling and the amount of times they're falling back and taking these moves and like running the ropes. People don't realize how difficult that is, how painful that is. You have to callous up your back to be able to run the ropes like that. We think they're just doing it. They make it look so easy. After I walked out of that bump class, I went up to all the wrestlers and was like, I appreciate and respect what you do so much. I will never try to step on your turf. I will be the girl holding the microphone from now until forever. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> Could you do a hell in a cell? <laughs> yeah, that's the only one I might try is, is the hell in a cell. I'll jump off that thing. That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, it's cool. It's it's wild. And yeah, I just I respect them so much. Like it's there's my schedule is crazy to like the average person looking in. It's nothing compared to theirs because they're, especially the the bigger stars. They're flying to SmackDown on a Thursday night, performing on Friday, getting in their car, driving 
three to five hours to the next town to do some live events. They'll do those for the next two or three days, and they might have to end up going to Raw as well. They come home for maybe a day and a half to switch their bags, have some kind of life, and then they do it all over again. On top of eating healthy, going On to the gym, having, keeping their shape. A lot shape. of them have kids and wives, and like they make it look so, they they just make it look so easy, and it's because they freaking love it, you know. And they have a good support system, and yeah, like. It's hard not to respect seeing what, and anytime I want to complain about like, I don't, I like to not ever complain to them about anything that I'm, cause it just sounds terrible. I'm like, oh, I had to fly out for two days and like, I have no cricks in my neck this week. You know, they're awesome. The coolest coworkers ever. Thank you so much for coming by, Kayla. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, this has been great. Guys, go check out Kayla's TikTok. Nope, no TikTok, but you can, on um, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, <laughs> potentially TikTok Don't eventually. Don't look my TikTok. <laughs> There's some good horror stuff on oh, there. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Cool. Thank you so much for coming of course, by. thank you. All right, guys. Lightweights, out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.